0: thank you so much for joining us today at cowboy junction church online we're sure glad that you did we hope that today's message will encourage you and challenge you as you connect passionately with the word that god has specifically for you would you do me a big favor rate review and subscribe to this message Also, I want to let you know that if you would like to connect with Cowboy Junction, get our text messages with encouragement and announcements, you can do so by texting the word CONNECT to 575-209-2770. You could also rate, review, and subscribe. That sure would be helpful to us. If you would like to partner with Cowboy Junction in the spreading of the gospel by financially giving, you can do so by going to cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash Give. I hope you enjoy the message. Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. We're going to kick off this love series, and this series, what we're about to study, is so important to me, and I I want it to be important to you because at Cowboy Junction we believe that this series will teach us that if you know God, you'll know love. But the only way to know love is to know God. We hope that after this message, you will have a whole new way to view the heart of God and love so sit back and enjoy uh we're in a series called the love series we started this a couple weeks ago and uh let me just tell you i have absolutely loved your emails that you've sent me your text messages um love hearing about how this speaks to you i i just want to thank everybody that uh, the dozens of people and dozens of people that shot me an email or text about my illustration last week about how awesome it was You guys thought that 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 is why we love cowboy junction because that opened my 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 eyes to me seeing people uh differently and that there's people with their fly down and then seeing me i was once a person with their fly down and and you just blessed me by letting me know that you were for that illustration not against it and thanks for being at church today okay (laughs) um yes so with that um, we're going to dive into to today's message, and let me just tell you real quick. I've decided to do something in the 9 o'clock service that, based on whether it works or not, whether I'll do it in the next services, okay? So if it stinks, if this, is just, you know, if this doesn't work, if you get confused, that's okay. Just know that um, it won't happen in the next services, okay? And with it, if you have your Bibles, it's not going to show up on the screen. This is not going to show up on the screen. I'm going to start off with where we're going Next week. That's right. This is what I'm nervous about. This is actually the beginning of next week's message. We're talking about the prodigal son next week. But it's not the prodigal son. It's actually the story of the prodigal sons. Okay, And this is actually something that, we're, that it's been brought up in, in a lot of theological studies of whether we, they should refer to it as the prodigal son. And the reason why they do is because Um, There is mention of the prodigal son, but the whole beginning of the story starts off with there was a man who had two sons. And the problem with not seeing it as the prodigal sons is that sometimes religious people don't see the religious side of the second son or the first son, the last son in the story, as being the issue. But it's a big issue. And we're going to talk next week about the first prodigal son, the second prodigal son, and the father. But to get to where we want to go today, I just thought it'd be fun to just read it really quick. And the reason why is because I want you to pay attention to the dad in the story. And how does he act? How does he respond? Would you have done it this way? So just for kicks and grins, here's the story. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, if you want to turn there. Then he said, and this is Jesus, Jesus is telling a parable. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Then he would gladly have given, uh, and, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I'm perishing with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose. And came to the father. But he, when he was still a great ways off. His father saw him. And had compassion. And ran. And fell on his neck. And kissed him. And the son said to him. Father I have sinned against heaven in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants. Bring out the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And most people quit reading there. But the story continues. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and and drew near to the house, he heard music. And dancing, So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because of he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time, and you, never, uh, and you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has de- devoured our livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Father, we pray that the reading of this scripture opens our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And I pray for even our online campus, that the distractions, the dishwashing, the, the the car driving, the passing vehicles, the kids screaming would just subside and they would put a priority in the, this moment, the next few minutes, what do you want to say to us? Father, that's exactly what you are, a good, good father. Show us what love is. And by showing us what love is, would you show us what you are? It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in the love series, and I'm about to blow every young person's mind in this room are you ready do you know what this is yes. come on I didn't ask the older folks I asked the young one and a minute ago I brought some kids over to the corner because because I've got this little posse a young group of guys that I like so much and they help run the cameras and do different things and I said come over here guys and I said do y'all know what this is and they had no clue what this is <laughs> had no clue and I did something. I did something. I reached inside, and I said, I'm about to just ask you something. I already know the answer. Do you know what these are? <laughs> Do you know what these are? And this is how I pitched it. I said this. Okay, guys, let me just tell you. Back in the day, this was like Christmas. I mean to tell you we would sit on pins and needles waiting for this To show up at at those, you know, at the grocery stores, those little houses, we don't know what they're for anymore. This is what they were for. And like we would be on the edge of our seats. And for everybody in the room, like, I still don't know what it is. Everybody's laughing, I don't know what it is. This is how we used to get our pictures. And it took, and this is gonna blow your mind, okay? We would take our film, we would go bring it down, and it would take about a week. That's right, a week for us to get pictures. And if you wanted to make any copies, you had to keep your negatives. I never remember ever using the negatives again, but we had billions and billions of negatives in our house. And we, the only way to look at them was to be drop them down and go over each and every one of them until we found the actual picture we were looking for. Now, there's a reason why I'm bringing this out. Because today, I have been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, and I've kind of been a little strategic. A couple of weeks ago, we brought out this 1 Corinthians 13, And we kind of covered a little bit, and we talked about some things like knowing that we believe, one of the key points that we've been saying, we believe that God is love. Okay? We believe it's God, God is love. And I think for the majority of everybody, we'd be like, I agree with that. I believe, I I totally agree with that. But we don't know the depth and the width of it. And as believers, sometimes we struggle. We struggle, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We struggle with knowing God who is God how is God what is God what's the personality of God and we begin to unpack this whole idea of God is love and in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 we see this moment to where Paul begins to express and show to us what real love is love is patient and love is kind and we talked about that but then something happens in verse 13 where it shifts and we refer to it as the negatives. Okay? This is the negatives of love. And sometimes the only thing we know about negative is it's bad, it's wrong, it's evil. Don't be negative. And whatever you do, don't be negative. We are gonna always be positive. Let's be positive. But that's not what the term negative uses here. Paul uses a strategy of teaching that shows us the positive of love. But then to get us to look at love from a different angle, he uses the negatives of love. And that's why I brought this out. It's because when you read this, it's not Paul being negative. It's Paul saying, I want you to really get a different view of what love is. And by looking at something, and on a negative, for those that don't know what negatives is, on a negative is the absolute opposite of how a picture is. That's how negatives work. And they're really kind of trippy. Because it's one of these things, an old camp, uh, youth camp uh, picture that, that, that um, years ago, I, Heather and I went through all these photos last night, but, but here's an old one, that's, that's an old one right there. But whites are blacks, greens are yellows, and it looks completely opposite, but it's supposed to. Because when you do the light just right, and you do the chemical just right, it comes out into the color that was actually captured on that day and the image of that day. That's how the negatives are when you begin to see what love is not in Scripture. And by looking at what love is not, you're also looking at what God is not either so that we can have a better understanding of what God is. Now, I read this story to you a minute ago of the prodigal son so that you can have it in the top of your mind that as we go through this to know what love isn't and what God isn't, notice what the father was and what the father was not in the prodigal son story. And today, by the way, don't take any preaching advice whatsoever from me because the homiletics of this message is all wrong. But I'm going with it anyway. Because I think this nine o'clock crowd is more mature than the rest of them. They're just, y'all, are, y'all just get it. Y'all just get it, right, Steve? That's right. Y'all just get it. So y'all just say, who's ready to get it? And I'm going to start off with the negatives that Paul would say. But you've got to know, if God is patient and kind, this is what he's not. First one, love does not envy. Love has nothing to do with envy. And to leave that up there, one of the things you need to know about your God, if love is not envy, and this is something somebody in this room needs to hear God has no reason to steal from you. God is not an envious God in heaven standing there watching you find joy in something and then is going to yank it out from underneath you. God is not a God that should envy to then have to steal from you. And to back this up, to really give you an idea, I want to show you John chapter 10.10. It's a reminder for us of who God really is and who the enemy really is. And John 10, Tim, it says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Who is God? God gives life. He gives life to our thoughts. He gives life to our heart. He gives life to our life. He speaks to dead bones and they rise. He speaks to dead lives and they come alive. God is the God who gives life and has no reason to ever steal from you. But for a lot of people, we blame God for losing something. Come on, let's think about this. There are people in the room that never had anything stolen from them in their life. And they're like, I don't know how you could ever come to that conclusion. But if you've ever lost something very, very dear to you. It seems like it's a hole that can never be filled. And I don't know how to preach good enough to ever fill your hole. But I hope the statement today of knowing what God is not starts you on a healing journey that only God can do to heal a void in your heart of something that he didn't put there. To know that God did not take from you, but he's here to give life when you're ready to see him as the life giver. At some point, we have to lose our questions. We have to lose our fears. We have to lose our anxieties, and we have to drop to our knees and allow God to be the giver of life that he can and to quit blaming him for something that he did not do. Have I ever been tempted to blame God? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it seems like my wife, my incredible, wonderful wife, hears about it all the time. Uh, when I married Heather, uh, I, she didn't know it was going to be for nonstop counseling for Tybean. Okay? And, and, and a lot of times, let me just tell you, we put a lot of pressure on our wives that they don't deserve. And they're not here to be our therapist. Guys, they're not here to be our therapist. But Heather has been so kind to remind me that God has a plan for That There are things I don't know why. I don't know why. But I've been able to go to my Father and speak life and say things. This is something I I wake up to every morning when I say, you came to give life, not take. Father, I pray that you show me where life is and I want to walk in it. Father, I want to show show me where you are and I want to go there. And the reason why I speak this is because there's a part of me that just wants to dwell on the how comes and why nots. Come on, who am I speaking to? And the first thing we see here is you just got to know God doesn't envy so much that he steals from us. But he is the giver of life. And what's the opposite of envy? It's the, it's the joy of giving. God came to give you life, and I hope this little seed puts something in your heart that will heal you from something that's been taking life from you. The next one, it says that love does not parade itself, and this is going to be a little awkward for some people because when we think of God, he can do whatever he wants to do, and we're all in agreement of that. But parading itself means that God does not advertise himself, flaunt himself, or brandish himself. And for American Christianity, this just doesn't make sense. That God doesn't advertise, God doesn't flaunt, and God doesn't brandish. He doesn't have to. For everybody that feels like your step of faith is hanging a Jesus smiling picture in your office, okay? Let me just stop and tell you that's incredible. I remember the first time I ever hung my Jesus smiling face in my office and and it was a little gym in, in Phoenix but I sh- learned quickly that that faith faith is us taking steps to be obedient in him and one of the things we have to understand faith isn't hanging a smiling Jesus picture on the wall faith is maybe going to a brother and witnessing by sharing your faith in Christ Jesus to him. And that scares us. But the difference is we advertise Jesus, but we don't provide Jesus. God has called every person in this room to be a provider, a speaker, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every person. If you know him, you know enough to turn to your friends and say, How's your relationship with the Lord? Have you ever thought about God? And some of us would rather buy the billboard to hang on the church sign or put something real quick on Instagram or Facebook. Let me just put it out there, God. But do you realize that we must be careful when it comes to brandishing, flaunting, and advertising our Christianity? In fact, let me just show you something real quick. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. The difference is being a positive Christian versus being an actual follower of Christ Jesus. A positive Christian makes positive Christian statements. And there's nothing wrong with it. But as a pastor, i me just to let you know, there's some convictions that I have had over the years. When I first started off, day one, Ty Bean, pastoring Cowboy Junction Church, could not wait to just put out advertisements, let's invite everybody, let's hang little stickers on everybody's window. I had C.G. one time put a, went and, she went and got us sticky notes. And they were Cowboy Junction sticky notes, and we were going to go all over the towns and put sticky notes on everybody's car. Yeah. Now, you may say, well, what's wrong with that? It's inviting people to church. Well, I felt a conviction, and the conviction was this. Are we advertising Jesus, or have we even done anything as a church worth advertising yet? Come on, this is deep. This is, so, this is deep. This is even hard for me to explain, but you have to just know in my heart, do I want to be a pastor of a church with great advertising Or do I want to be known as a church that we are unapologetically followers, committed, devoted followers of Christ Jesus? The first time I heard this, there was a church that was very popular many years ago, and they had decided when they opened the doors, they were never, ever going to do any advertisement. Now, if we do advertisement, you guys don't crucify me, okay? Don't get mad at me. It's not that I'm against advertising. It says, I watched this church just simply follow Jesus. Every person in that church was asked to take faith steps. Don't you be the person you are. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. And as that church matured into following Jesus, they didn't need advertisement. Right. They could see God in everything they did. You know which church I'm talking about? It was the first century church, the Ecclesia church. It was all these little churches that were being hunted down, but they met and thousands of people came. I remember reading it for the very first time and understanding they didn't advertise God, they didn't flaunt God, they didn't brandish God, they just simply followed him. And you know what could happen in your life? If you just simply chose to start following him. Let me just say something real quick. God doesn't need to prove himself to your friends. When God is asked, what is your name? He simply states, I am. For everybody struggling with answering the question of who God is, stop. I think there's some great things we learn as life goes on, but it really boils down then to this. If you follow him, your God will make himself known in your life. Yeah, that's right. Love does not parade itself. The next one. Love is not puffed up. Did you know that your God is not arrogant? Your God is not mean. Your God is not full of himself. Your God is actually touchable. He is the one when Jesus says, I came to be with you. Jesus, when he says he came, he came as God in human form. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. If God is a God that is touchable, if God is a God that is not puffed up and arrogant, and sometimes we see him as, sometimes we see him as the God that if we don't sing loud enough or pray long enough or do more, he is going to get angry. And can I tell you right now that your God doesn't need you. That's the miracle of this whole thing. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. It's not a need thing. The same way that a parent doesn't need a child. But it is an absolute joy to have a child. You are an absolute joy to your father with no need whatsoever to do anything. He is not arrogant. He's not feeding off of you. He's just simply God. Your dad. And when we find that grace in our father, you'll stop demanding so much from other people as well. That's right. People won't be the cause of your happiness. People will not be the cause of your joy. You just simply begin to think of yourself as possibly the person who can find joy in people and they don't have to do anything for you. Come on, let's think about that. Your identity is not wrapped up now in people saying the right thing. Your identity is not wrapped up in people being better than they actually are. You just simply love them because God loves them. Because it's the same way God loves us. Without arrogance. Not being puffed up. And completely touchable. I love that about God. But you know what? I love that about me, too. When I start acting like him, because I've seen him go into the world and just simply love people, what if I just did that, too? Can I turn to you right now and just let you know, I love you whether you do anything for me, for this church, for God. You are welcome. We are so glad you're here. Can can I just turn to you, for, for all the people that don't even see the same views that we see life. Like, let's, you know, for, for, let me just turn to all my homosexual friends, okay? Everybody watching online that could say, well, I'm homosexual. Let me just, let me just tell you real quick. What's our stance on homosexuality? You can be whatever you want to be. Okay. Time out. That just lost everybody right there. Let me tell you, you really can. You can be whatever you want to be. And it... You may not know God's best for your life, but you can choose to be whatever it is that you want to be. So here's where the church says, well, if you choose that, we're just going to ostracize you. Well, let me just say this. How in the world are we ever going to change if we keep pushing people away? So we got all these people choosing something that I just want to say isn't God's best for your life. If you're in the room and you're dealing with all kinds of different sins, I'm talking to you too. But I want to turn to my friends that would say, well, I'm homosexual, but I love God. Can I go to church at Cowboy Junction? I want to give you the simple answer. In this place, you will always be protected. This will always be a safe place if you continue to have the attitude Of I'm going to follow Jesus. And there's some things that are in my life that I'm not happy with. And there's some things in my life I'm not happy with. But this will be a safe place for you to come and listen for God. To follow Jesus. And the same way that we're all changing. By listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I would turn to you and say that's the one thing. If you keep listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, like we all are, you're welcome here. There's a point, though, that we have to be serious. And any time you come in to be a predator and not a protector, that's when you've stepped out of anything that God would say, I'm doing a work here. And we have got to be following me. Why do I even bring this up? Because let's just face it. It brings a weird feeling. Because this church isn't going to be so puffed up that we're going to look at everybody and expect you to supply for us what we need. When we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, we're going to turn to the people and say, what do you need this church to be? And if you need a safe place to hear from God, we will always protect you here. And that's the stance that I think the God that is touchable is going to stand on. Love does not behave rudely. Do you all know that God is not insulting, abusive, or vulgar? In Proverbs 29, verse 11, it says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And there's a lot to be said here. What does being right look like to you? Is it insulting? Is it, I told you so? But if you notice, God is never that way. He's loving. He's caring. And he gives people room to turn around. The next verse says, love does not seek its own. Did y'all know that God is not insecure? God is not anxious? God is not troubled or unassured? God is a God who can stand up and turn to us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God says, I will carry for you. I carry people's burden. And you know what it does for us? It reminds us that we have opportunities to carry people's burdens as well. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, it speaks to the anxious, the people with anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God came to carry your anxieties. God is not provoked. And for a lot of us, we see God as provoked. But I want to just remind you that God is not irritated or agitated or aggravated at you. In 1 Corinthians, the way we start this whole love series off, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal, which means you can be super spiritual and not have love, and you just sound like two cymbals hitting each other. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Some of us need to quit being mad at the world for acting like the world. Quit being so angry. Let me give you permission real quick. I officially, as your pastor, give you permission not to be irritated at the world anymore. I officially, as your pastor, turn to you and all your friends. You're like, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. I officially say, here's your pastor saying you now you officially are, re, are are delivered from agitation and aggravation, which means you can start enjoying them again. Can you imagine being released by your fat pastor? Not your fat pastor. Your pastor. <laughs> your pastor. To start enjoying your friends again? Friends who don't think like you. Friends who don't act like you. Friends who think they know your God, but they don't know your God. And this gives you permission to just love them, them on them again. Well, Ty, how are we going to be able to give the gospel to them unless they know they're wrong? By you following Jesus? Listen. God is not provoked. He's not irritated. And he's not aggravated. He's like a father who may be disappointed that people aren't choosing him. But did you see the father let his son go? So that he could experience life away from him. To then sit on the porch every day and look at the horizon. And when his son finally topped over the hill... He ran, buried his head in his chest. A kid that stunk like pig. Pig. A kid that deserved the cold shoulder. And you see it in the older brother, don't you? A kid that deserved to be scoundered, scound upon, and looked down upon. But the father killed the fatted calf, washed him, wouldn't let him be a servant, welcomed him back in. There were some things we haven't worked out yet. What'd you do with the money? Dad didn't care. I'm just glad you're home. There's a part of me that wants people to pay. I want them to pay. I want you to reimburse all the crap that we felt while you were gone. Do you know what you did to this family? And you don't see that in the Father. We use words like abomination. <laughs> I think some, it's, it's kind of like watching the... the uh, I do not think that word means what you think that word means. Inconceivable. What is that movie? The Princess, the Princess Bride. There you go. I wish you guys read your Bibles like you knew movies. <laughs> God is not irritated, He's just simply waiting for His kid to come back home. I'm going to have Fabian come up. I got a couple more. Love thinks no evil it's a negative that we have to stop and pause and think well why would love think evil i mean would love actually think evil and sometimes we don't really stop and think where we allow our minds to go even though we know what perfect love is did you know that god does not get depressed and he doesn't go to dark places because god thinks no evil And let me turn to everybody in the room that you battle depression. I almost need to bring Heather up here to kind of help me with this story. But um, y'all remember the first message I preached on this love series? Um, I almost didn't make it through the nine o'clock service. And this is, this is a sad thing about your pastor that I just, I just want to be really honest with you. I'm preaching on the heart of God, the love of God. And when I got through preaching, I had to go to my office. And I almost had him just play the, the, the service for you guys in the, in the 11 o'clock because this depression came over me. And I was able to kind of suck it up a little bit you know that's what us guys do. We're supposed to suck it up. We're supposed to suck it up. Why? I can't. I can't it was a multiple things. Y'all don't even know what happens to me with emails and texts and people who who say something and, and it just I'm just trying to show up and preach the gospel and Satan uses all these little fiery darts, and I get through with the, with the nine o'clock service, and guys, I, I just went straight into depression, and I was able to suck it up and come back and preach at the 11 o'clock. And when I was done with 11 o'clock, I shot out the door and I went in and I, st- I started bawling. I went in the house and I'm just sucking it up. I'm doing everything I can. If you're in the room and you're a guy and you're like, were you trying to fight it? I was trying to do everything. I jumped in the truck and went for a drive. I went and fed cattle. I was feeding cake. Heck, I, 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 I'd, I'd have hit my thumb with a hammer if I thought if I thought it would help. It's like, let's just change the pain, okay? It's my thumb now, hallelujah, thank you, God. (laughs) I'd have done anything to get this out of me. And so I just figured I was gonna go take a nap, but I couldn't go to sleep. So I went in the house, I built Heather a fire. And she was watching me build the fire, and she said these words, Ty, are you okay? And, And no joke, I'm embarrassed to even tell you this. I turned around and looked at her and I just shook my head like a five-year-old boy looking at his mom and lost it. And walked across the room and buried my chest in her head and Heather was just sitting there holding my head. This is after I've preached two sermons. This is after I've preached on the love of God. This is after I've led people to Jesus and I'm burying my head in Heather's chest and I am bawling. I mean, like, you know, stupid crying. And she just says, babe, oh, my gosh, babe, my gosh, babe. And I just suck it up. And once again, I tried sucking it up again. I went back and put more wood on the fire. And as soon as I put the third log on, I turned around and I went right back and bawled in her arms again. You may go, what was it? That's the thing. You never know. And the enemy's in your ear going, if people only knew what kind of pastor you were, if people only knew, well, I'm going to let you know what kind of pastor I am this morning. And I hope it brings some deliverance for somebody in the room that you are not alone if you're in this room and you battle depression. You are not alone. But I don't say that from the standpoint of, I'm the guy that has it too. You are not alone and your father is not mad at you because you had a dark day or you might have a dark month. I can't imagine what some people carry in this room. I look at our representative over over here. I can't imagine the couple years you've had representing this state. I've prayed for you so much, David Gallegos. We, We don't have coffee like we should because I know you're so busy. But can you imagine what he has gone through in carrying the weight of this state through the last several years that he has represented us and been an ambassador of Christ Jesus at the same time. Can you imagine what dark things he's carried? But he has woke up every morning and chased after God. And I will turn to you and tell you this. Our God doesn't get depressed. And our God doesn't go to dark places. And that should give you peace to know that you can go to your God In Psalms 143, verse 7, Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down in the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift my soul. Guys, that has strengthened me. And that, you it, it may be a dark day, but it's not going to stay a dark day. Our God is going to break through. Our God is going to break through. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you, says God. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. And you need to know that your God doesn't get depressed. You don't have to carry your God. You don't have to carry the burden he's caused you to. You know, I've caused you to be a businessman. I've called you to be a pastor. There are times I have to call a timeout and I have to jump back in his arms because I should have been there the whole time. you yeah. know, you broke my depression. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. And I went back to my old 1989 and 1990 scripture memory cards. Yeah. And I just started just reading Sing praises to the Lord. Blessed is the man who does not walk by the counsel of the godly, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And I just started going back to Scripture memory verses. And all of a sudden, it just began to lift. And I realized it was an attack. Go to your God. Last and final one, we're, we're closed. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. And this one, did you know that your God is not sadistic? And, and I had to ask Heather, what does sadistic mean? God does not find pleasure from inflicting pain, suffering, or humiliation on others. Yeah. In Psalms 34, verse 17, it says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears, and he delivers them. Out of all their trouble, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Like I said, today's message was not homiletically correct. But I thought, who cares? Let's just do something fun. This is a nine o'clock crowd, they're mature anyway. And we just let, read a whole list of what God is not so that you will know what your God is. He is a God who loves you. He is a God who cares for you. He is a God who gives you room to turn around, gives you a safe place, makes it an area where every one of us can know that we are his favorite. You know, you're his favorite. And, and, and I hope that today opens some eyes to a lot of us to be able to see maybe I've been looking at God all wrong.